Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I am, I know I'm considered too much of an optimist, but I believe if we keep pushing, we're going to continue to make progress. We're going to continue to make progress. It's already being made. The idea that when that 14-year-old was buried, that in this Indian treaty room, there were this many people of color holding powerful office, changing the direction of the country, would have been beyond our comprehension. And we're just getting started. I don't know what's with the whispering. It's I didn't know it was back. A national monument to Emmett Till. As as far as stories go, a big one in in, in American history, an important one. The lynching of a child. As far as uh, monuments go, I'll let others engage that fight. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. And by the way, I don't even know if there's going to be a fight. I have no idea. A recognition of history is valuable. Pretending things didn't happen is not valuable. But the whole monument game, a monument has to mean something and it has to inspire something. It has to share. Give you an example. Wall Street. The bull on Wall Street. If you've never seen it, it's it's a good size, but it's still, you you, you can get up close to it, and it signals this power, this power of Wall Street, this power of the American engine. And you're like, that's cool. That's what the bull is. Bull markets, bear markets, the, the strength, the vigor. And then someone decided, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm gonna I'm gonna build a statue of a, of a of a little girl, fearless girl. It's a bronze sculpture by Kristen Visbal. And they put fearless girl in front of the bull. She's standing there with her her fists on her on her hips and her skirts flowing. And a young girl, I don't know, eight nine, her hair's blowing back. She's standing right up to the bull. What the hell does this even mean? You take any eight-year-old, nine-year-old girl, you put them in front of the bull, you know what you got? Boom, dead girl. That's what you have. What does it mean? What does it symbolize? And the answer is nothing. Nothing. It doesn't mean anything. As Wikipedia describes it, fearless girls meant to, quote-unquote, send a message about workplace gender diversity and encourage companies to recruit women to their boards. It doesn't mean anything. It is a ridiculous sculpture. The girl itself is cool. If the girl herself was somewhere else, she'd be like, huh, that's very cool. It's showing this confident young woman. That's that's great. Oh, it's a conversation about about uh, the, the, the feminists taking charge. It's about gender diversity. It's about a girl who in front of a bull would be dead. The bull's about the strength of America. 
Here's an eight-year-old girl who's going to hold that up. That girl's going to get her ass run over. What are we talking about? Are we pretending that things aren't real? It is about whether or not art matters. Whether or not it tells a story of value. You walk through the Capitol. You walk through that, that dome. You take a look at the statues that are all around depicting men, depicting women, depicting moments, depicting greatness, majesty, capturing this this spirit that there is something here greater than just ourselves. That, that value, that's what matters. That's what matters. It is my sincerest hope that if they're going to do this this monument in regards to Emmett Till, man, I hope they do it right. It has to matter. It has to tell a story, not just where America has been, but where America is going. It should not be this moment of look how awful it should be look how awful and look where our future can take us some may argue no tony should just capture the moment maybe maybe but i think you want a, a monument to allow you to remember and move you forward now maybe I, I maybe I've got it wrong. Does the Vietnam Memorial do that? The Vietnam Memorial is is compelling and powerful and and brutal. It's brutal to watch people take paper and slide that pencil across the names and get the relief of some relative or some friend or just some name off the off the wall of those who 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 died. As a matter of fact, that memorial was so powerful when it was unveiled that people are like, well, how come this memorial doesn't have names? The memorial to the Korean War shows soldiers in the field, these reliefs, these, these statues, but not names, and people were bothered by it. I don't know if one should be bothered by, by that. Every monument tells its own story. And maybe that, maybe I'm really engaging a difference between monument and memorial. Maybe I have it wrong. Maybe, maybe what we need here is a memorial instead of a monument. Maybe it's a distinction without a difference. I don't think so. I want it to matter. If we're going to do it, I want it to matter. I want it to, to, evoke a remembrance and I would love for it to show where we're going the better that is America today than then I don't know why that's so hard for so many people to see the better of America today than then in order to form a more perfect union we the people in order to form a more perfect union the moving forward I don't know why this is so hard I don't know why people can't 
embrace that thing. We'll see what this monument brings us. But it brings us to a story that's actually a couple days old. Sorry, I didn't get a chance to get to it. Megan Rapino. Megan Rapino, who deserves every bit of derision she gets with U.S. women's uh, soccer. Oh, I think that we should have transgender athletes in women's soccer, even if they take the, the place of a biological woman. No problem. Trans women are real women. And she gets mocked. And rightfully so. Megan Rapinoe doesn't believe that you should keep people who are men who claim to be women off of women's teams because they're just the same as women. If women are the same as men, uh, it's being asked by Jennifer Say, uh, how is it that the best women's soccer team in the world lost to 15-year-old high school boys? That happened in 2017, by the way. They played a high school team. And they got beat. They played the uh, FC Dallas, Football Club Dallas, under-15 Boys Academy. And the Olympic athletes lost 5-2. to two. They're not bad soccer players. Men are stronger and faster. End of list. You could find a woman who is as strong, and you could find a woman who is as fast. But by and large, men are stronger and faster. To think that a man could say they're a woman and play on a women's team and it's okay is such a radical thought as to be believed. So she deserves all the derision that she gets. I have a theory about Megan Rapinoe. Uh, and, and she's going into retirement now. And I don't know if I could say it on air. I'm going to actually ask around. Because my theory is, my theory is big time. And I am going to get to it. But I think one of the biggest stories out there is Israel passing judicial reforms and the protests going on in Israel. It was a 64 to nothing vote. Now, that doesn't make any sense because the Knesset is 120 people. Those opposed walked out. They didn't vote. So the vote was 64 to nothing. The judicial reforms have to do with the Supreme Court's reasonableness standard. You understand that Israel doesn't have, per se, a constitution. It's, 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 it's the weirdest. It's the weirdest, weirdest system. As a government system, it is super-duper awkward. Following Israeli politics is difficult stuff. But the Supreme Court could say that a piece of legislation to them is unreasonable and therefore gone. And you're like, wait, unreasonable. So you just you don't base it on an aspect of of law. You don't base it on a, a constitutional standard. You base it on whether or not you like it. That is no way to run a government. And so the the. um reforms that have been coming out and conversations have been having happening are about this about this and and many other other things israel is divided it seems at least if, if if you follow media on this subject with a lot of people being opposed and a bunch of people being in favor 
just like America might be divided on name the subject, Israel is divided, if you will, on this subject. Sounds pretty standard to me. And yes, there have been protests involving tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people. Is it involved millions? You, if you show me, yes, I'll agree with you. It's not like I'm trying to, to, to limit that. I'm just saying I don't know if it's involved millions. People have been protesting. Some people have been saying, if you do this, if you uh, get rid of the reasonableness standard, we are no longer going to allow ourselves to be called up as, as reservists. We're done. You're not going to fight for your country anymore? Huh. You lost a vote. You're not going to fight for your country anymore? Wow. But there's been a lot of that. I bring it up because, A, uh, the again, understanding Israeli politics and, and what's happening, why people are talking about it. Um, the uh, This is not an unreasonable position from Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister, nor the, nor the Likud. It's, it's not an unreasonable position at all. As a matter of fact, one of the things that has been discussed is how come there are groups unassociated with government officials who get to decide who's on the Supreme Court? And it's true. I think it's the Israeli Bar Association. I think I'm trying to connect it to, to what we have in the U.S. They get to choose some Supreme Court justices. What is this? What weirdo thing is this? So maybe the party in power should have more of a say who's on the court. Which, in the United States, we get. Part of the issue with the court is that Supreme Court justices in Israel can then really have a a thumb on the scale of who the next Supreme Court justice is. And so you get a certain dominance going on, as opposed to a more centered, if you will, approach. So they want to change that too. There are people who disagree, and they are protesting, as they have the right to do. Two things about this are very important. Number one, this proves that Israel is a democracy. No one is being forced. No one is being uh, told by the barrel of a gun to stop talking. This isn't China. This isn't Syria. This isn't the Gaza Strip. This is Israel. And number two... This is how you discuss Israeli policy without discussing the existence of Israel. This is how you engage a conversation. It's not anti-Semitic to engage this conversation versus Representative Rashida Tlaib or Representative Ilhan Omar or Representative Andre Carson of Indianapolis and their bigotry and their belief that Israel should not exist. Or claiming that Israel has hypnotized the world. Or voting against resolutions that simply state Israel is not a racist state. There's a difference. And this proves the difference. Just some of the things going on in, in, in America. But I am very curious. I wonder if there's going to be some kind of backlash to this Emmett Till monument. I wouldn't... I wouldn't get, I'm not I'm not opposed per se to it. Man, I just hope it's done well. Tells the story. This happened. This horror in America happened and we should remember this child destroyed by bigotry. And here's where we are today in a far better place. Let's keep going. I would think that's a Good honor of a memory. I'm Tony Katz. Yeah.
Jerry on Twitter wants me to know that the Korean War Memorial now has the names of the fallen. They did it about two years ago. I was there longer than two years ago. I didn't know that. That is, that's good to know. Thank you, Jerry. Appreciate that. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Politico reporting that DeSantis is letting go of more than a third of his campaign staff. Look, I don't think that worrying is smart. But this is the time where your campaign has to start going. If you feel that it's not going, reset now. No need to reset later. No need to wait. Of course it's a story. It's a story and other candidates are going to hate you for it and all the rest. The question is, can you get things back on track to a point where you're competitive? It's weird to think that DeSantis is not being competitive in certain areas, certain spots, certain polls. The race is not over. So if you're going to reset, do it now. Now you got to make it work. <laughs> that's, that's what's key. That is what matters. And Joe Biden is threatening a veto. This matters to your life. Very often a veto, it's like, all right, whatever. This is about appropriations for the Department of Defense, the Military Construction Program, the Department of Veteran Affairs, and a bunch of other things. They, the veto is coming because Republicans, in passing some of these measures, are saying no to uh, abortion payments and no to uh, certain trans, transgender surgery. Nope, we're not going to have any of the, the DEI. We're not going to, uh, you know, engage uh, climate change initiatives. We're not doing any of that stuff. Republicans in the House have cleaned some things up. Biden is saying, I'm going to veto. The issue here is the penny plan. When Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, came up with the deal, the the, the debt limit deal with Joe Biden, a deal that I didn't think was great, I still would have voted no on. The deal said that there were 12 appropriations bills and they all had to pass. If they didn't pass, the penny plan would go into effect, which is a 1% cut across the board. Normally, I'm all about a 1% cut across the board, but not to military spending. Not to military spending. I know, I know, I'm such a hawk. Not to military spending. Well, if the House passes something and the Senate passes something and the President vetoes it, is that considered passed? Because the House and Senate passed it? I would say no, it, it doesn't. If the President isn't signing it, it's not passed. It got vetoed. Can you, can you override the veto? I don't think so. Which means the 1% cut would take place across the board. Now, maybe people who are watching inflation would be thrilled with a 1% spending cut. Some of us who are very worried about um, national defense, especially right now, bothered. Seems to me that this is the direction we're going. So watch for the votes and watch for the veto. In the meantime, even CNN has started to notice that America's unsafe. You gotta hear it to believe it. That story's coming up. I'm Tony Katz. It 
Reggie Greenberg walked into a San Francisco Walgreens when he saw in the frozen food section this. Chains, heavy chains that went from padlock to padlock on both sides of the doors. And this was bizarre, something I'd never seen before. This is just more icing on the cake telling us that rampant crime is, is, has become a, a regular part of life. So that is correct. Rampant crime has become a regular part of life in those places that accept it. And you wonder why Jason Aldean's song, Don't Try That in a Small Town, is working. People so upset about that song. Ridiculous. Did I get the name right? Uh, try that in a small town. Right. That's, I said don't try that in a small town. But you know what I meant. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Of course it has. You have prosecutors that don't prosecute. They believe that any prosecution is bigotry. They don't believe in cash bail in Illinois. Well, okay. You're telling the criminal, do anything you want to do. There's no harm, no foul. And then you have progressives who will tell you how it's a victimless crime. Of course, it's not a victimless crime. It's anything but a victimless crime. But this is what they'll tell you. Victimless. The hell it is. When Walgreens decides to close all its locations in San Francisco... Tell me about how the 82-year-old woman who gets her prescriptions there isn't a victim. Of course she is. Uh, that theory, by the way, I, I wish I could take credit for it. It's the theory of Fingers Malloy, uh, who uh, you, you can find him on Twitter. He's my partner at Eat, Drink, Smoke, uh, the Cigar and Bourbon Show. He does a radio show uh, in, in Michigan. He hosts uh, the podcast, The Snark Factor. Don't tell me about victimless crimes. If I'm in my 80s and I need medications and I get it from the drugstore right down the street and all the drugstores are now closed because of all of the theft, how am I not a victim of the theft? The argument is compelling. And one of the reasons why these things matter, I'm going to get into more about uh, some, some, some crime stuff in, in, in a little bit. But I, I, when people say that eh, it's not happening in my neighborhood, eh, I have heard people say about uh, crime where, where one bad guy kills another bad guy. Well, it's kind of like a, like a self-cleaning oven. I have never said that. I have heard that. And I said, that's messed up. My argument has always been that if you aren't addressing things where they are, those things grow and spread and where they are gets far worse. We want to end it. We don't want to exacerbate it. And ignoring it is exacerbating it. You have district attorneys who ideologically ignore it because they believe paying attention to it is somehow bigoted. This is the problem with George Soros, and it's not anti-Semitic to say so. George Soros is a bad guy engaged in bad policy. If he's supporting a candidate, vote for the other person. That's how you handle George Soros-nominated people. Just a bad dude who has bad ideas, believes in bad policies, and picks and backs bad candidates. Vote for the other guy. Yes, this crime has become a regular thing. But this piece that I just played for you, which was on CNN, fascinating. I'm, I'm going to share it all with you. It's like a three-minute-plus segment. But you got to hear it because it gets... It gets remarkable in terms of what they witness. 
so typical that in the 30 minutes we were at this Walgreens, we watched three people, including this man, steal. Did that guy pay? Did that guy pay? He didn't pay. The CNN reporter watched a guy walk right out. There's a television camera on him. They actually blurred out the dude's face. They don't blur out a face for anything. They blurred out the dude's face. There's a camera on him. The reporter's there doing an interview. The guy's got a backpack, and he walked out of the place like he didn't have a good holy damn care in the world. He act, the, the guy was so unworried, he actually had his own theme song. Well, it's a sunny day. I feel brand new. There's about a million things that I could do. Whoa, would you like to do them too? Got my backpack and a whole bunch of stolen goods. I'm going to go for a walk. Maybe I'll find myself another Walgreens and I'll get something else. Oh, I'm going to need another backpack. Got to steal that. It's insane. I agree. You agree. We all agree. Then why do we allow it? This CNN crew is watching this happen like it's a day at the zoo. And then they're going to go home like nothing ever happened. Like their life isn't affected. That's the crazy part. The crazy part is they think their life isn't affected. But of course it is. Walgreens says this Richmond neighborhood store with aisles of products like mustard locked behind plexiglass has the highest theft rate of all their nearly 9,000 U.S. stores hit more than a dozen times a day. When thieves turned to cleaning out ice cream and frozen burritos, workers grew so frustrated they resorted to the chains. They were ordered down by corporate because of the negative messaging. What negative messaging? The people who work there are tired of being abused. They're tired of seeing the, the, the thieves and the, and, and the looters. And they want to do something about it. They want to be proactive about it. The messaging? What's the messaging? The messaging should be the CEO of Walgreens in front of that store excoriating the mayor and the chief of police for what's happening in the city. As a matter of fact, you should immediately be calling for more security. You should be immediately calling for armed members of society to protect the store. You should be able to hire them. Oh, that's right. They don't allow uh, guns there. That's, that, that's right. Sorry. Sorry. You're, you know what? Out of luck. But Walgreens isn't the only retailer impacted in San Francisco. You have to ask an employee for help. At this store, frozen food is controlled with a cable lock. Fake eyelashes locked behind plexiglass, along with lotion and nail polish. At another grocery store, $14 bags of coffee under lock and key. Ask yourself, is that the society that you want? And then ask yourself, why does San Francisco want it? Now, understand that I have a a separation. I do have a moment of stopping. In where we live, you can't just say, well, that happens over there and that's fine. 
I don't think that is a, a valuable move because I do th think these things permeate and spread because it becomes a level of acceptance. And the area in question never gets better, and you should want it to get better. Whether you live there or not, you should want it to get better. If I were to take out East St. Louis, is it East St. Louis? or No, it's North, North part. East St. Louis is in Illinois, the north part of St. Louis. If I take that out of equation, St. Louis is totally safe. By and large, totally safe. You add that northern part in, horrifically dangerous. Should we just stop uh, counting it? Should we just like, you know, take a, a picture, a snapshot in our mind, take a look at the border streets and be like, yeah, we don't even, police won't even respond. You're on your own. But outside of that, anywhere you go, we're going to come get you. That's not an answer. That's not an answer. If you live there, I don't know how you, I don't know how you could make that somehow be acceptable. Now, I don't live in San Francisco. These people want to live like crap, but well, that's their problem. I want to fight it where I live in central Indiana. But if they want to live like crap, like that, let's fight. If you live in Tulsa, listening on KRMG, love KRMG, love what you guys do. If you want this in Tulsa, I wouldn't get it, but I'm not the one living in Tulsa. I, by the way, I can't imagine that the people of Tulsa would want it. That's not the point that I'm making. I am saying that I don't live there. I love there. I don't live there. I want you to be successful. I don't live there. I want what's best for you. I don't live there. I don't get to make the final call. I don't live in San Francisco. I want what's best for San Francisco. Would you go visit San Francisco right now? You're going to get on a plane from Tulsa to San Francisco for just a weekend? Well, maybe 15 years ago you would have. Today? Oh, hell no. Not a chance. You want to live in a place where the coffee has to be locked up? I'm upset when the Sudafed is locked up. Now it's the coffee? What is this? Um, I don't. No, I don't understand why coffee. Oh, know, here she is. But oh. It's, <laughs> it's become kind of like a police state in San Francisco. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. That's a customer. It's become a police state in San Francisco. Um, you allowed this to happen and you can fix it. This is the part that, that seems to get lost. You can fix it. Just vote differently. Everybody who told you you have to vote this way and that way because of LGBT, because of abortion, because they all lied through their damn teeth. They ruined you. And now they believe they control you because, well, abortion is the most important subject in the world because Republicans, uh, they want to destroy the LGBT community. Dear Lord, you're already being destroyed. Try something else. You're already getting your asses kicked. Try something else. You can't buy coffee without getting somebody to unlock a cabinet. Try something else. The people who promised you the better utopian society haven't delivered. Try something else. I told you this story from CNN is amazing. And I also told you it was like three and a half minutes, three minutes and 45 seconds. I'm not even two minutes into it yet. I'm not even two minutes into the piece. And you're already like, no more.
I can't take anymore. Also, cancel my vacation plans to San Francisco. Can't do it, Tony. Oh, yeah, but you have to. It's not part of city life. It's not part of the way people should be living, right? And that includes folks who are committing the crimes. Marjan Philauer, mom of three, small business and community advocate, says these visible problems in her city are leading to renewed activism driven by residents, like the recall of the city's district attorney last year. I think what we've seen, uh, especially in the past couple of years, is less tolerance, more exasperation. Good. You're not supposed to be tolerant of these things. San Francisco did get rid of Chase Bowden, who was the progressive DA who got rid of Cash Bell. You know what happened to Chase Bowden? He got a $210,000 a year job teaching uh, uh, at the uh, UC Berkeley Law School. The guy who helped to further destroy San Francisco, who got ousted, got a job at Berkeley because progressives always protect their own. This is their fantasy, everything that he did. This is the policies they want. Then the world saw that these policies don't work. But instead of saying, my gosh, these policies don't work, which would force progressives to look inward and think of better ideas, they say, wait a second, Give this guy a job at UC Berkeley. What he's doing is very important. You see, the problem is the way these things were implemented. If San Francisco had been more open to implementing these progressive policies, everything would be better. You see, the problem is these people who chain up the stores. Oh, that's the problem. Look at the message it sends. We can't have that. We have coffee behind lock and key. No, 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 no. If there's a little bit of crime, these are multi-million, billion-dollar companies. They can handle it. My gosh, they're the problem. If only they would get out of the way, our policies would work great. That's what they believe. That's who they are. That's what they're saying. Why in the world should anybody condone this? Why should anybody want this where they live? Of course they should be exasperated. Of course they should recognize that the thing that they did failed. The theory that they had didn't work. Sometimes you have a theory. Sometimes that theory doesn't work out. You know what you do? You say that didn't work out. What went wrong? What, where, was, where did I make the mistake? And you make the change. Where did I make the mistake? And you go about making the change. That's what you do. That's how the rational person acts. The progressive is not rational. You understand this now. The progressive says, well, the problem is you're in the way. I'm going to prove more of this coming up. The progressive says you're not doing it right. The progressive says, why won't you do more? These progressives never think that their policies in San Francisco failed. The problem is not enough people are embracing the policy. You should be okay with having the stores robbed. You should be okay with having your cars robbed. You should be okay with human feces on the street. You should be okay with the violence. You're the thing standing in the way of progress. That's how the progressive acts. That's how the the, the commie acts, but I repeat myself. This story from CNN is amazing. And you'll find it over at TonyCats.com if you want to see it in full. It is something else. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. 
Price increases coming for the iPhone. The iPhone Pro, according to the sources, going to go up possibly 100 bucks, possibly more. Uh, the Pro has been at $999 since 2019. The Max, which is a bigger, bigger screen for iPhone, has been at $1,100, uh, There it is. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Everything costs more. Why shouldn't it go up? Manufacturing costs more. The equipment costs more. The shipping costs more. Why shouldn't the price go up? Yet I'm told that Bidenomics is working. The prices are going up everywhere, yet Bidenomics is going great. And you see the weird, weird uh, kind of conflict here. That's that that you've got people out there who are spending left and right. And when the new phone comes out, oh, it's a thousand bucks, eleven hundred bucks. Here you go. Here's my money. Gotta have the new phone. And you're like, how are they affording a new phone? People are getting laid off left and right. Prices are going up left and right. And the whole thing is super weird. This economy is strange. Because I do not buy into the Bidenomics that it's working. Not in the slightest. I buy into the reality that things are not okay. And when things start falling off the cliff, it's all going to fall. Now, I'm not a negative guy. I'm not a defeatist guy, but I'm a data guy. And the data all tells me the same damn thing. People are betting against it. What if they're right? What does that say? What does that say about the indicators? I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz.